Hey, Geeks and Geekettes, this is Lysmith. And I'm Retnax5, and you're listening to the Geekin' Podcast. Welcome to Geekin' on Marvel News and Rumors, recorded live on June 8th, 2014. Haven't done a news review in a little while. I haven't done much of anything really on, on the podcast end for a little bit. We've been off for a month and man, a lot of stuff happened. And it just seemed like uh, we were talking before the show that the best way to sort of get the our feedback out there, because Lord knows people are just hanging on our every word, uh, <laughs> it's not the news until they hear Geekin's commentary on the news. Um, the best thing to do is just sort of section it out on podcasts. Rather than doing one four-hour podcast covering everything that's happened in the last month, we're just going to sort of follow a, a theme. And for this particular episode, the theme is going to be Marvel. There's been a lot of Marvel news, both on the cinematic end and the television end, um, that's happened in the last month. We're just going to sort of go through some of the, 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 the highlights, the big news stories, and uh, give our opinions of it. I'm glad you only have to have one honeymoon because you left and Marvel just fell all apart. <laughs> you didn't realize that I was secretly running Marvel, did you? Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> I, I, I disappear for uh, a few weeks and uh, everything just goes to hell. <laughs> yeah, you go off the grid and Marvel loses their shit. See, secretly I'm Hydra and without me pulling the strings in the background, it just all fell apart. <laughs> I thought about doing this whole Hail Hydra theme on all our geek and stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought really hard about it and then didn't do it. Oh. I should have. <laughs> yeah. There's still time. Hail Hydra. So starting with uh, Ant-Man. Oh, and we could do hours just on the melodrama that's become the behind-the-scenes element of Ant-Man. Absolutely. And, you know, I think maybe that's a, a good thing that we didn't have – the podcast going in the middle of all this, so we can just skip straight to the end, and we don't have to put in every little every day there was new rumors and news and stuff going on. So it would have ended up becoming a, the Marvel version of a Zack Snyder, where it was just like <laughs> one. Oh my gosh, what are you doing? After another, after another, after another. <laughs> so Edgar Wright, who has been attached to the movie for years now. Well over five years. In fact, I think I remember reading quite recently, as I've been trying to catch up on my news, um, there was a, a not a stat, but a bit of info that sort of blew my mind. And that is that Edgar Wright's been developing Ant-Man since before the first Iron, Iron Man movie came out. Wow. I mean, he's been there since before the cornerstone of the Marvel Cinematic Universe was actually laid out by uh, Favreau with uh, Iron Man. And and lots of people were really, really angry that he left. Mm -hmm. And some of the rumors, nothing was confirmed, of course, because uh, the majority of people at Marvel are are far too classy to comment. But the the rumor was that uh, he was falling behind on Mm -hmm. schedule. They they bled money for about a month, Mm -hmm. and they lost confidence that he could handle a big-budget movie like this. It makes sense. I mean, Edgar Wright certainly has his fans, but we're talking about a director who primarily does relatively small budget black comedies, um, like um, Shaun of the Dead and you know Hot Fuzz, and I think was the last one, End of the World, I believe was the name of the last one. Yeah, um, he also did uh, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, he did. Oh, and that was such a huge financial success. 
Uh, I mean, not, 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 that's no comment on the quality of the film. I have not seen the film, and I know it has a tremendous fan base out there, but that was a big-budget movie, relatively big-budget movie, that just flopped out of the gate. So I can sort of see where there was some hesitation on Marvel's part of, you know, Marvel's willing to take chances on directors. We've seen them bring in some very unusual people uh, to, to direct films. I mean, I was a huge, well, not critic, but I certainly questioned Marvel's decision uh, to hand the Captain America 2 film over to the two gentlemen who did direct it because their only experience had been directing sitcoms. Yeah. But of course, they knocked that out of the park. So while Marvel definitely is willing to take a risk, as you said, the, there seemed to have been for about a month there just money going all over the place. I'd also heard there were some issues with the screenplay. Had, had you heard about this? I had. Um, the, right, and, and his writing partner, whose name escapes me at the moment, who's worked on all those films with him. They began working on the screenplay, as I said, before the first Iron Man film came out. As such, it was a, a relatively standalone film, not part of a larger Marvel universe. Marvel wants all their films interconnected, and they've been sort of pushing him to make this script that he wrote you know, six, seven years ago fit in with the current Marvel Cinematic Universe. I believe the exact quote that I heard, and I believe it was on maybe Dark Horizons. I, I really can't remember what website it was, uh, but it said the uh, the screenplay ended up being uh, unfilmable, an absolute mess, is how it was described. So they wanted him and his writing partner to do some serious rewrites very quickly because they have a, a start date locked in. They've got all these actors hired. Uh, they need to get this movie rolling. And then Wright just decided no. You know, they wanted too many changes. It wasn't the film that he envisioned all those years ago, and he decided to, to step aside. From what I've heard, the primary thing was the screenplay. And in fact, they brought in somebody else to do uh, to do an emergency rewrite on the script. One thing this that makes sense. That that totally makes sense, and it it leads right into I think uh, the one thing I keep hearing everybody else saying, where um, the the other rumor was like you said that. The writing and people were saying that uh, Marvel was squashing Wright's creativity and, and mm-hmm. wasn't letting him make the movie he wanted to make, mm-hmm. and that everybody wanted to see an Edgar Wright Ant Man, and that he approaches comedy from such a different perspective than a lot of people do, especially American films, mm-hmm. and that they wanted to see that and thought it would be interesting. And I completely agree that an Edgar Wright Ant Man film would be very interesting. I think. Uh, it would be an amazing movie. However, I feel like people aren't realizing that Marvel has a vision and it's huge and it's encompassing many, many movies that all have to fit together. Mm-hmm. And it's and that's why Avengers worked where you had Iron Man and Thor and Captain America who were three very different movies, but they all stayed the same tone and vision so that they could all fit in the same world together. Mm-hmm. And if you have an Edgar Wright Ant-Man movie, I don't think that would fit in the overall universe. If you had a, a truly Kenneth Branagh Thor, it wouldn't fit with the rest of the universe. Mm-hmm. So when they hired Edgar Wright, maybe they wanted an Edgar Wright Ant-Man movie. But what now what they need is a Marvel Ant-Man movie done by Edgar Wright. Yeah. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Wright's been there since before. You have to wonder how much of this has been there from the beginning. I I think that the success of Iron Man was such an overwhelming success 
that Marvel suddenly thought, oh, okay, now we can do this. And I think that Edgar Wright was there before that epiphany, before that moment where Marvel decided to do the shared universe. And he thought he can continue to operate the way he'd been operating before as sort of his film is kind of this parallel film. It's like, it's sort of in it, but it's sort of not in it, meaning the larger cinematic universe, but a huge selling point of these Marvel films, as you said, is their interconnectivity, you know, the way they sort of fit together and not only fit together, but they build upon one another. Each film thematically leads into the next film. I mean, Captain America too leads directly into the, into Avengers two. You know, there, there's there's no way you can say that Captain America 2 ends the story. It actually, in many ways, starts another story. And I don't see Edgar Wright wanting to do that. He would want to do his own film. And yeah. it's one thing to say to Edgar Wright, pre-Iron Man, sure, we'll give you 45 or $50 million to make your Ant-Man, as opposed to the way it is now, where it's like, mm, I don't know if we want to give you $150 million to make an Edgar Wright Ant-Man movie. Right. So I think uh, a lot of people, uh, I think they're angry for the wrong reason. I just don't think that you can reasonably expect Marvel to just let the directors have free reign and make the movies they want to make. It kind of has to be up to the producers and the people who are there for every movie to move this vision along over the movies. If these directors wanted to come back later and do standalone movies, I'd be totally fine with that. Mm -hmm. But in the overall universe, you've got to rein these people in a lot to keep it all cohesive. I'm almost wondering, not to sidetrack this because we will get to the Star Wars news on another podcast, but with Fox – I'm sorry, Disney. I'm so used to seeing 20th Century Fox at the front of the Star Wars movies. I forget it's Disney now. Um, having their plan of having a trilogy movie one year and then a standalone movie the next year. I'm curious to see how that's going to work, where fans are going to see a film, uh, in this case, the J.J. Abrams film. I don't know if he's going to do the entire trilogy or just the first of the films in the next trilogy. But I'm assuming there'll be some sort of a cliffhanger, some sort of an ending that will, will at least leave you wanting to see the next film, but then the next film's not going to be connected at all to that. I'm curious to see how the audience reacts to that because it's sort of the opposite of what Marvel's doing. Right. So again, we'll talk about that at a later time, but yeah, Marvel has this overall story. They have this this sense of we're telling a large story, a, a huge tapestry of a story told over multiple films. You can't just plop one movie in there that has nothing to do with any of the other movies. It will be very curious to see how Guardians of the Galaxy handles that because that's the movie that from the outside when we first heard about it was like, oh, well, this movie's not going to have anything to do with the rest of the Marvel Universe. But we've been yeah. hearing, actually, it is tied in, especially to Avengers 2 is what I keep hearing. Yeah. Uh, the gentleman they've got to take over Edgar Wright's place I think is a very interesting move. I mean, it's a very, 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 very different director and kind of movies that he's used to doing versus Edgar Wright's movies. Oh, they, they went with somebody 180 degrees. Uh, yeah. Uh, Peyton Reed is uh, primarily known as a quote-unquote chick flick director. We've all seen one of the 27 Bring It On movies on you know ABC Family by now. Uh, he directed the first Bring It On movie. Um, he did direct a movie I really liked called Down With Love, 
which was sort of an ode to the late 50s, early 60s romantic comedies that Doris Day and Rock Hudson were in. Um, this song, I think, had Ewan McGregor and Brene Zellweger. It's a very stylish movie. And that's sort of the one thing that I'm, I'm thinking could really help or, or that is a, a, a selling point for him. He's a stylish director. He knows how to shoot a scene. He's pretty good with the camera. And it will be interesting to see him sort of un- unlocked or uncoupled, as Gwyneth Paltrow would say, um, from the sort of the standard romantic comedy thing and able to tell a large story over, you know, a much, uh, well, obviously much more money, but just a bigger story. Because he has a visual flair, and it'll be easy, it'll be interesting to see what he does with it now that he's not sort of doing a by the numbers uh, romantic comedy. I, I'm for this. I mean, it's it's a little outside of his box there, a little outside of his comfort zone, and uh, I don't I haven't seen a movie by him that I disliked, so I'm I'm for it. He he certainly has some comic cred. I remember reading in an article just quite recently. It was an article at Ain't It Cool News, which you know isn't really the best news source anymore, but uh, one of their reporters over there <clears throat> should be very careful saying reporters. Um, but one of their 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 writers over there is apparently friends with Peyton Reed. So that you're a little bit gay, yay Peyton Reed. But he did point out that in the early 2000s, Peyton Reed was developing a Fantastic Four film over at Fox that would That's have right. been set in the early 60s when the actual you know comic was you know comic came about. So he is a comic book fan. That's the one thing that I have heard about him is that he is a huge comic book fan. So at least this is a director who has a passion for comics, and that's always a plus. We, you know, movies usually turn out a lot better when the director is passionate about the subject matter. You mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy earlier, and it reminded me that we have a casting news for Guardians of the Galaxy that will affect the Marvel Universe as a whole. Ah, uh, Yes. Josh Brolin as Thanos. I'm trying to think Brolin's voice. Um, I can't really picture it right. Well, hold on. I got the Goonies in my head. <laughs> and I, his voice, I'm sure, is a little deeper now. Right. Since he was running around in the sweatshirt and the sweatpants. Um, yeah, okay. I do like Josh Brolin. So I'm not uh, opposed to the decision at all. Remember early on when um, Vin Diesel began shooting the selfies of him at Marvel and putting them on his Facebook uh-huh. page. Everyone said, ooh, he's going to voice Thanos. He's going to voice Thanos. But, of course, it ended up being Groot, of course. Everybody but me. As soon as I saw him post those pictures about Marvel, I said, he needs to voice Groot. Oh, well, it's not me who's running Marvel, then it's you. <laughs> I was I was rooting that for that from day one. I was very excited when he actually got the role, but Root I digress. <laughs> Um, I'm happy with it. I was kind of rooting for the gentleman who um, was Thanos at the end of Avengers, even though we didn't hear his voice. Uh, I thought he, with the makeup and the CGI and everything, looked the part, mm-hmm. and he wanted the role. Uh, he was uh, did, did a couple interviews and said he was interested in doing it and going back for it. And so since he wanted it, I was totally okay with mm-hmm. it. And uh, so it's kind of rooting for him, but I'm I'm great with Josh Brolin. Yeah, he's, Let's do it. he's a he's a very good actor. Um, have they announced that it's going to be purely CGI? 
they only announced they said that he was doing the voice. So, so per- I assume so, that means so perhaps that actor will be returning, and it'll be the combination of physical actor with CGI adding, you know, CGI layering that they did before. So hope maybe that actor will be in the the film, but maybe his voice just isn't what um what uh Whedon was looking for. No, I'm sorry that um well it would probably be somebody higher up doing the voice. Uh, I was going to say um, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, but that's sort of a decision, since it is a cross-film role, would probably be uh, Feige or somebody of that. Yeah, uh, but that was really it for Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, moving on into Daredevil, switches showrunners. Which was very funny because uh, it was – was it the same day or the next day after Edgar Wright left? It was something like that. It was so close. It was Edgar Wright leaves Ant-Man, and then Drew Goddard leaves Daredevil. Yep. So, oh, that's the news, by the way, folks. Spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) And Drew Goddard did uh, episodes of Buffy and Angel, and you had mentioned Alias, correct? And Lost, yeah. Lost, there you go. In fact, I believe he was was a staff writer on Lost for two years. Um, He also is a director. He works a lot with Joss Whedon. He um, wrote Cloverfield, which – oh, I'm sorry. That was J.J. Abrams. I'm getting my J's uh, mixed up. But he wrote Cloverfield for J.J. Abrams, and then he directed uh, Cabin in the Woods for Joss Whedon. Which I love. That's one of my favorite movies. So, uh, yeah, do you want to fill us in on what exactly is going on over at Daredevil? Uh, Goddard is still going to act as a consultant. Yeah, he was going to be the showrunner. Yes. And he'll still be on as a consultant, but we'll focus primarily on his directing Sony's uh, Spider-Man spinoff, The Sinister Six. Hmm. We'll have to see if that actually happens after The Amazing Spider-Man 2's incredibly disappointing box office. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even completely 100% on board for a Sinister Six movie to begin with, so... Yeah, I'm not on board with Sony really trying to create a larger cinematic universe out of characters who appeared in four panels in a Spider-Man comic 20 years ago. Right. But Steve DeKnight will be moving into the showrunner position for Daredevil. Uh, He created and showran Spartacus and worked with Joss Whedon on Buffy and Angel. I know Spartacus has a lot of fans out there. Um, That show had a huge fan base. Or at the very least, a very vocal fan base. I want to say um, Joss Whedon's brother and sister-in-law, who uh, showrun Agents of uh, S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. also worked on Spartacus. Really? I'll, I'm going to look that up and double-check, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's true. Uh, I watched the first few episodes of the first season of Spartacus and then just sort of lost track of it. It was a little bit too close to 300 for my taste. I'm probably the only geek in the world who does not like 300. Um, uh-huh. Sort of the visual style was a little bit off-putting for me. But I, my sister actually watched um, Spartacus. She doesn't watch those kinds of shows, and she enjoyed it. Um, and you can't really go anywhere online without running into Spartacus fans. So uh, that's uh, pretty good. I mean, that's that's some some high praise for uh, Steve DeKnight that he uh, created and ran a show that uh, has a lot of credibility and a huge a lot of, or at least a very vocal uh, vocal fans. Yeah, they were they uh, were writers for Spartacus. That's I did not know that. So there's that. 
I was right. Uh-huh. Of course you were. Yeah. <laughs> when it's just the connection, right? I was going to say, when it comes to Whedon, I don't question you at all. You could say, <laughs> Whedon is the reason the sky is blue. And I'd say, I guess he is. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> Uh, moving on to the Doctor Strange news, I was kind of excited about this um, because I wasn't really sure about a Doctor Strange movie to begin with, but the director they got I thought was very interesting. Yeah, it's uh, Scott Derrickson, who uh, who actually announced it himself over Twitter, I believe. Yes, it was actually kind of a cool move. He uh, put a picture of himself, and then he was holding up a sign that said – or was he holding up a comic book? It was a comic book cover, yeah. And then he uh, wrote underneath it, uh, my next movie is going to be strange. Yeah. So, which is nice play on words. Um, I've been looking at his uh, filmography, and I've only seen one film here. But I did like that film, and that was The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I thought that was a, a nice, uh, creepy film that had a different twist than most horror films have. Uh, but I see he directed Sinister, and I know that has a huge fan base online. I don't think I've seen any of his movies. I was looking through it a little bit. I was kind of kicking myself after I saw this because I saw that he did Sinister, and my brother and sister-in-law let me borrow the DVD. Mm-hmm. But I have this thing about creepy little girls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I just – Damn you, Stanley I, Kubrick. You ruined it for all of us ever since <laughs> ever since uh, The Shining. Creepy little girls. Ah, uh, I just – I wanted to see it because I really love horror movies, but I just – I couldn't bring myself to watch it. So it sat there for probably months, and I never picked it up, and I finally gave it back to him. And after I gave it back to him, I found out, find out that he directed Sinister. So – and again, Exorcism of Emily Rose, I didn't watch it because Creepy Little Girls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh he are we talking about the, I'm looking at your list of the movies that he's directed and one is Day the Earth Stood Still is that the really crappy Keanu Reeves version uh, it looked like a newer version to me let me uh, double check that might not be good because I watched about half an hour of that movie and turned it off but Ooh. that could have just been Keanu Reeves That that's very true because really once he stopped saying dude dude or whoa yeah <laughs> Or or be, or or like being on a bus, you know. I can put up with them being on a bus, but uh, you know, with speed. But other than that, no. Yes, that was the Keanu Reeves movie. Okay, I won't lay the blame completely on Scott Derrickson because he was shackled with Keanu Reeves. That's true. <laughs> uh, however, regardless of how good or bad or scary or creepy the movies uh, he did were, I am very interested to see that they got a horror movie. Uh, veteran really mm. to uh, head up this movie. That's I think that's a really promising uh, thing to hear about the Doctor Strange movie. I completely agree. I mean, it's it's a ballsy move by Walt by by Marvel. Doctor, basically, they're saying that Doctor Strange is going to be a dark movie. Now, obviously, it'll be PG thirteen. Um, you know, it will be connected to the Marvel universe, but. I kind of like, you know, we're, we mentioned this, I believe, in our, our last episode. We're both fans of horror comics. Yes. And I, I just, I'd like to see a horror comic on film. Just sort of the mood and the atmosphere. Uh, I'm kind of excited by this. I mean, even if the, the film itself isn't horror, the fact that it'll have some dark uh, undertones to it, 
Uh, just makes me think if this works and it captures that tone, I want a Justice League Dark movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can definitely see the potential for Doctor Strange to compete with Constantine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just so much uh, potential of that character that, at least as far as I've read, has never really been captured. And he's all, all of his stories that I've read have just come just short of just really grabbing me and making me love it. And so I think this is exactly the twist it needs to just really drive this character home. Mm-hmm. We also have a little bit of a – well, this is rumors. I mean it is Marvel news and rumors, and this is solidly in the rumors section. But we have a couple actors who are supposedly in discussion for the role of the good doctor. Your man, Benedict Cumberbatch. I am a Cumberbitch. What can I say? <laughs> and Tom Hardy. Bane. I tried really hard not to sound disappointed when I said that. I don't think I managed it. <laughs> Shall we? Shall we try take two? And Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. I know. Uh, no. Doctor Strange has always had a, a certain physical element to him, mm-hmm. certain look, and Tom Hardy doesn't fit that. No. So. Now I can see Tom Hardy in superhero roles other than Bane, but <laughs> he doesn't. We we talked about this uh, just on our own recently. And I mentioned that I saw Tom Hardy in a romantic comedy called This Means War with Captain Kirk and and uh, June Cash, June Carter, also known as Chris Pine and Reese Witherspoon. And I felt he was so out of place. Uh, he is a good actor. He's a very good actor. But he doesn't have that sort of charisma yeah. going on. And – while I'm not a huge Doctor Strange fan, the little bit that I've read of him, I mean, you know, mainly him appearing in other comics that I have read, he seems to be a mysterious, charismatic kind of character. And I don't think Tom Tardy fits that. He couldn't pull it off in a romantic comedy. He couldn't pull off charisma in a romantic comedy. Uh, Doctor Strange starts out as a world-class surgeon. Okay. Can you imagine going underneath the knife and it being wielded by Tom Hardy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I wish I could pull out a Bane joke right now, but I can't. This would be very painful for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, I'm obviously not back on the Tom Hardy thing. Um, It would be an interesting direction for the character, I suppose. Uh, But I just think he would be lacking a certain element to him that would really bring Doctor Strange to life. Sophistication. Uh, Yes, that's a very – That's what I was trying to get to when I was saying charisma and things like that. What I meant was sophistication. He seems to lack that. He's a very physical, um, almost like Russell Crowe style actor who's just got that masculine aspect to him. Uh, like he would hit you over a head and drag you into a cave, sort of, you know, primal masculine thing. Um, yeah, even if you uh, uh, cleaned him up and put him in a suit and put him in that kind of a role, he would still have this uh, ruggedness to him that just isn't there for Doctor Strange. Exactly. Now we mentioned uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, and I'm I'm sort of of two minds. I am a massive Sherlock fan. Um. And I think Benedict Cumberbatch is a great actor. He's a tremendous actor. He was the best thing about a very disappointing Star Trek movie, in my opinion. Um, but I also think he's incredibly overexposed right now. 
he has about 4,000 movies in development. That's very true. And there's some part of me that when I see um, Chris Hemsworth, I see Thor. Uh Uh, When I see – oh, what's his name? The guy who plays Cap. Chris Evans. Chris Evans. I had had Chris Pine a second in my head. When I see Chris Evans, I see um, Cap. When I see Samuel L. Jackson, I see Nick Fury. I mean, there's something, and of course, when I see Robert Downey Jr., I see, um, man, my mind is drawing blanks tonight. I was saying, say Iron Man, Tony Stark. I see Tony Stark. Um, I don't know if Benedict Cumberbatch is going to bring too much Benedict Cumberbatch to the role. I'm not going to see Doctor Strange. I'm going to see Sherlock. Some people are going to see Khan. Spoilers, by the way. Um, I think he may be too exposed already for that role. And it's not like people are, well, people are saying, well, Robert Downey Jr. Well, Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. He is that person. I mean, the fact his, his off screen life actually may actually helped him. You know, it allowed uh, an audience that most of whom, and I mean the general audience, not the comic book fans, but the general audience who had no clue who Iron Man was, were able to immediately get into that character because it took two minutes of watching Robert Downey Jr. smirk his way in that Humvee, and people were like, "Oh, I know this guy. It's Robert Downey Jr." You know, they've been they've been following him in the Inquirer and root gossip stuff, and his backstory actually helped fill in a lot of blanks for Tony Stark because it's the same story. Or the same character in a lot of ways. Um, so that actually helped the character. It was the perfect combination of actor and character. Um, I don't think Benedict Cumberbatch is going to bring that sort of thing. He's just going to bring Sherlock. And people are going to be watching this going, wow, it's Sherlock playing Doctor Strange. But I think he looks like him. I, I saw, I've seen pictures of Doctor Strange and I've seen pictures of Benedict Cumberbatch. Well, I mean, I've seen Benedict Cumberbatch. And I can very easily say, you know what? I can see that. I can see him playing Doctor Strange. I just think he has too much. He's too exposed. He has too many other roles that he's well known for. That is a valid fear. However, I'm going to completely disagree with you. Um, you do realize we can go much longer before we do other podcasts, right? If <laughs> you disagree, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, have you seen uh, Ten Years a Slave? I have not. I, I don't really feel like uh, hating myself right now. I just got married. I just got out of the honeymoon. I really don't want to go into watching a movie where I come out of it looking at my wife and go, man, we suck, don't we, because we're white. It really, really, really does that. That's very, very true. However, he's in it, and he plays a plantation owner, a southern plantation owner, and – as opposed uh, to the other ones? Right, or the, the English ones. Right. Is where I was going with yeah. <laughs> um, he does an amazing job, and I didn't see Sherlock at all really? in that entire role. He really blew me away. Okay. Uh, I can see where you'd see him in uh, other places, especially like uh, Star Trek. There was some very Sherlock moments in that. Yeah. But I think he's capable of uh, completely being somebody else. And I'm going to take the example you made of of Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. and say that's exactly what's needed to make Doctor Strange a successful movie. You need a name people already know because it's a character they don't. That's true. And so they're they're gonna go to see him and it's gonna be him. They're gonna be familiar with him, and 
that's going to help make the movie. I do. I do know that Marvel has wanted that strategy from the beginning. They were courting Johnny Depp for a while for the uh-huh. role for that very reason, feeling they needed a name attached to it. And while Benedict Cumberbatch is not certainly not the household name that Johnny Depp is, he has a he has a fan base. Sherlock is yeah. incredibly popular. He's also appeared in films that have made you know won Academy Awards and also grossed hundreds of millions of dollars. So even the 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 people who don't know his name are like, oh, I know that guy. I've seen him in this 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 whatever. Right, right. And and you also have the uh, Lord of the Rings connection, so. Well, he doesn't really appear in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> well, I meant the Hobbit. <laughs> I the Hobbit. I mean, he, he's voicing a couple characters, but I don't think I, – well, I haven't seen the second Hobbit film, so I don't know if that character he, – he's also playing like the Necromancer, isn't he? I don't remember. I know he's I voicing the dragon, and I think I read something that he's also voicing the Necromancer, and I have not seen the second film yet. Um, the next time I get a, a really bad case of insomnia, I intend to watch it and help, me put, help put me to sleep. Um, so I don't know if the necromancer actually takes physical form in, in the second right. film. I'm sorry. I know I've been criticizing too much, but my gosh, that first film was so slow. <laughs> but I do love uh, Lord of the Rings. I don't want the Lord of the Rings people, you know, sending me hate mail. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you always have to like appease them. Like it didn't like the Hobbit, but man, I love Lord of the Rings. It was really good. <laughs> Golden Gold, you know. <laughs> Catholics have one St. Peter. We have another St. Peter. <laughs> um, I'm hesitant to even talk about it. Um, the next bit of news we've got here is Gambit gets a solo film before joining the X-Men. Oh, boy. I, I have to say, I have to say, I am less hating the idea of Channing Tatum than I was before. <laughs> I'm not completely on board with it. However, uh, I've had several people come to me and say, you've got to see some more of his movies. Have you seen Ghost- his abs? Have you seen his abs? He goes <laughs> in like a Ken doll. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they say go see uh, 21 Jump Street. That is, as long as they give him a, a comedic role and that they don't keep it too serious – he could actually do this, and it's something that uh, he could be good at. And uh, so I'm not completely hating it. I'm not I'm not going to send hate mail or anything, but I'm still not sure this needs to be a movie. <laughs> um, I really can't comment too much on this. Uh, I'm not incredibly familiar with – we've mentioned on previous podcasts I about uh, the X-Men is like Israeli cinema to me. It's just I, – I don't understand it. It's too – there's too much backstory there. I think that the the X-Men films that they have made have done a good job of introducing a, you know, a select group of characters. But once you get into the comics and as, you, know, you watch one of these movies and you go, I really like the X-Men. I'm going to pick up an X-Men comic book. And you can read an entire X-Men comic book full of X-Men and not see any of the ones who are in the movie. Because That's there's fair. hundreds of X-Men. Except for Wolverine, because he's in every single book. Including, like, DC Comics books. I mean, he shows <laughs> up in everything. <laughs> Gail Simone said that he was the loner who's on 27 teams. <laughs> Gail Simone's a genius. <laughs> I love Gail Simone. So I don't know that much about Gambit. I, I don't know if he really... You see, when when it comes to Fox and Sony... 
and they start announcing solo movies for these other characters who are not who we're not too familiar with. Part of me always has to question has to ask the question of do these characters actually warrant solo films? Or is this simply a studio that wants to continue making movie money off of comic book movies but has a limited number of characters, you know, that they're contractually allowed to use? I think that's what it comes down to to me is that it's it's going to be a Fox X Men movie and that's what I'm dreading. If Marvel Studios had came out and said we're doing a Gambit solo movie and we're casting Channing Tatum, I just said yes, let's do it. <laughs> let's just do but, it. Take my but <laughs> but it's Fox, and so what they're going to do is they're going to completely fuck the character. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. Yeah, they've already had a, a Gambit in the uh, that god awful Wolverine movie. <laughs> Uh, As opposed to the pretty good Wolverine movie that came out recently. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So what they're going to do is they're going to do the same thing they did with the Sabretooth character because they had a Sabretooth in the first X-Men movie, but then in the god-awful Wolverine movie, it's Sabretooth, but it's not Sabretooth. It's totally this other guy, and uh, even though they were supposed to originally be the same character, it's like they split the secret identity and the persona into two different characters. So – I think they're, they're going to try and do something that retarded with Gambit is what's going to happen and because they've already had a, a, a character in another movie. This is going to be kind of sort of but not really Gambit, and he's supposed to have a, a Cajun accent. Can you imagine Shane Tatum doing a Cajun accent? He can barely speak English without an accent. Apparently, he's spent time in New Orleans. He's got family there. He owns a restaurant, I suppose, but does that – I mean – I don't know. Oh, that I, sounds way too much like I, I have a friend who's black, therefore I'm not racist. Exactly. That's yeah. I have somebody I know somebody from New Orleans, therefore I can do a Cajun accent. Right. So <laughs> that uh, that was actually a comment somebody made. Uh, I had commented on this post somebody did, and I was like, I'm really worried about this guy, and he I don't I can't see him doing a Cajun accent. So he's like, No, no, no. He's from New Orleans, and so I looked it up. It's like, No, he owns a restaurant in New Orleans. He's from like. I remember, like Tennessee or something. Oh yeah. So, uh, okay. Well, let me ask you a question because I default to you on most things, Marvel and all things X Universe. <laughs> you have seen Days of Future Past. I have. Okay. I have not seen Days of Future Past, though we are thinking of seeing it this week. Uh, my, my wife and I are thinking about going and seeing it uh, sometime during this during the week. So we may be able in the near future to do a Days of Future Past podcast. But I know you you did like the film, correct? I did, yes. My understanding is that Fox has hired a person to sort of supervise their movies, and uh, I'm not. I, I think it may have been the person who who co-wrote uh, the screenplay for Days of Future Past, and he's sort of making sure that ties into what they're going to do with uh, X Men Apocalypse, and. Granted, it's an incredibly small sample size of one film, but maybe they're on the right track. Maybe they've got this one guy who's sort of trying to make sure it's a cohesive universe, that it sort of fits with the comic, so to speak. So I, while I would normally say a Fox-produced film about the X-Men starring Gambit would suck, for the first time in a long time, Fox seems to have a little – has some positive vibes going here. Uh, with Days of Future Past, so maybe I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's gonna be great, but maybe it's got a chance of not sucking. 
because maybe Fox has turned a corner. I will, I will give you that, sure. Because first class was excellent. Uh, I'm going to say not terrible. I mean, it was it was a good movie. Oh but no! I, oh yeah, I think I liked first class more than you did, actually. I think we've had. I think you did. I went into first class thinking it was going to be a very different movie because I, I I'm retarded and I expected them to do a traditional original X Men movie and none of the original X Men. Uh, I guess Beast was in it. And that was the only original X-Men in the movie. So so that was decent. And then Wolverine was pretty good. The Wolverine was pretty good. Not the sucky one. The not sucky, right, right. Not the not sucky one. <laughs> right. And uh, then this movie was, was actually a really good movie. So, you know, maybe they are trying to crawl out of the slime they've built around themselves. Exactly. I mean, they, they certainly couldn't have gotten any worse. I think – with Last Stand, they may have hit a low point for comic book films. I mean, they may have actually hit the very bottom. That they hit the bottom and they dug a little lower with that. <laughs> <laughs> the people were like, "That's it. That's as crappy as it can go." I mean, Daredevil's better than this. And then Fox went, "Wait, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Wait, wait. wait for it. Wait for it." <laughs> um. I don't know. Uh, it could work. Channing Tatum certainly has a huge fan base. He makes films that are incredibly successful. I think I remember reading, uh, not this past year, because he did last year, he had a film that, that wasn't that successful. Uh, and by that, I mean it didn't make $100 million. He had For that, he had a string of like five straight films that had made over $100 million at the domestic box office. And so he's definitely, you know, he's you don't think Channing Tatum in the same breath as like Tom Cruise or Leonardo DiCaprio or something, but he definitely has become a very bankable star who has fans. Um, so that's always a plus. Fox may have turned a corner. Um, have you heard anything about who's making the film? Not yet. Because um, that's other always than- the, probably the, the most important thing. Right. No, other than they want to do a solo movie before moving him into an X-Men movie, um, I, that, that's it. That's it so far. Uh, Channing Tatum is Gambit, and they're going to give him his own solo movie. That's it. Well, we'll we'll see how that works out. Yeah. And I think we've just about gone through all of our Marvel's, Marvel news and rumors. The yeah, first of it. a series of news podcasts that we'll probably be putting out soon. Putting out. All right, so I think that's it for this week. The kick-ass music at the beginning end of the podcast is Big Damn Heroes, and you can find out more about them at facebook.com slash bigdamnheroesband. And you can always hit us up at facebook.com slash geekinpodcast, and feel free to follow us at twitter.com slash geekinpodcast. And, of course, the address for the blog is geekinpodcast.blogspot.com. We'll be seeing you soon. 